0: Welcome to the Life 21 Church Podcast. Thanks for joining with us today as we explore the Gospel of Matthew. We pray that as you listen, you would come to more fully understand the answer to this age-old question, who is this Jesus? Welcome to episode 91. This is Jesus Friends Fail. Matthew 26, 31 through 46 is an incredible encouragement as we, all of us, face moments in which we fail to truly be a friend of Jesus, but we also have friends and family that fail us. Maybe you've been through a time in which you needed people to come to your aid. You wanted people to stand with you, to pray for you, to care for you in very particular ways, but yet they didn't. They didn't come through. They didn't give you what you were desiring and needing. Jesus is so familiar with that type of suffering. Let's read with him together in his spirit and discover a bit more of his heart. Matthew 26 verse 31 They had just sung a hymn. They went out to the Mount of Olives following the Passover meal. Verse 31, it says, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus, being the perfect fulfillment of the Old Testament, He's quoting Zechariah 13 verse 7, a beautiful depiction of Jesus' first coming and second coming, but like many of the prophets, it was all combined, this narrative of God's salvation coming to earth. Jesus prophesied to them that all will fall away. Just a few verses earlier, he had prophesied that one of them would betray him. Judas had went out from there and was even in the process now of rallying the leaders, the chief priests, teachers of the law to come and to arrest Jesus. And now Jesus turns on them and says, You all won't betray me, but you'll all fall away on account of me. Just as I, the shepherd, am going to be struck, you, the sheep, are going to scatter without having your shepherd present. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. It would have been wonderful if the disciples could have humbled themselves, agreed with the truth of God, and maybe even asked for mercy for a different storyline for them, that they wouldn't fall away. But instead, pride comes into the camp. And Peter, who often struggled with pride, was the one who voiced it first. And this is what he said, verse 33. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. (laughs) Wow. What pride to go against the truth of what Jesus had just said. Peter did this multiple times And we can oftentimes look down upon Peter for his pride and not recognize that his role is documented in Scripture as a picture of all of us. His story, a beautiful invitation for all of us to humble ourselves and to recognize that our strength and our abilities are in Christ alone. So interesting, when Satan was described as arising in pride before he gets removed from heaven, it says that Satan said in his heart, I will, I will, I will. And it was a declaration of his intent to do a thing and his capacity to do a thing. In that, he was declaring the pride that he would then infect and inject into every human heart that be willing to receive it. This I will choose my own path, and I will rely on myself to fulfill it. Peter embodies that same pride as he says, even if everyone else falls away, I never will. Jesus says to him, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So interesting how God-given confidence is contagious. When David, before the Philistine Goliath, says, My God's the God of Israel and I'll cut your head off. When he kills Goliath in that incredible confidence, The other troops, all of Israel that had been shaking in fear, whose battle line had become stagnant, there was no advancement, all of a sudden the rest of them rise up in confidence and rush in. It's beautiful how confidence can surge through people, through military, through armies, through sports teams, as one declares the potential of victory, they all arise Now, the same thing can happen with pride and arrogance, and that's what happens. Peter declares his faithfulness in pride, and all the other disciples say the same. Sad moment, (laughs) I'm sure, for Jesus as he looks at all of his disciples, having told them exactly what was going to happen, and them all in arrogance declaring that it won't happen. Here's what's beautiful, though. What Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Though he didn't have the humility and dependence on God to walk this out then, later at the end of his life, this declaration of his, he will prove true by faithfulness unto death. It's not a bad thing to declare our allegiance to Christ and to attempt to be faithful and even speak out that faithfulness. But when it's centered in I will or I can and it's not recognizing our need for God and accessing the strength to help us do it, it's just empty words that we prove unfaithful to follow through in. Jesus is going to take them further into the Garden of Gethsemane and he's going to invite them into a point of breaking and humbling if they're willing to receive it as he humbles himself Before the Father in heaven. Verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. That's James and John. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Feel that by the grace of God. Our God who was made man. Sinless, yes overwhelmed sorrowful and troubled he said to them my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death stay here and keep watch with me beloved of God the heart of Jesus as a man is so vulnerable and so moved and yet so holy and set apart and perfect This is a beautiful depiction of what a healthy life with God is like, a reality and a responsiveness to what we're feeling, while yet fully bringing it to God, not giving way to sin, but responding to the ways that our heart is moved and pained and grieved. And his request for his friends, his disciples, stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. I want to pause this here to just highlight. So Jesus has eight of his disciples with him in the Garden of Gethsemane, but seated farther away. Then he has the three lead apostles, closest friends, Peter, James, and John, closer to him. In other passages, it describes a stone's throw away, and it kind of highlights different things that Help us to see that they were, if not able to audibly hear Jesus, at least to be able to see the, even the physical demonstrations that he was doing, the falling of his face to the ground, crying out to the Father. They were positioned close to hear the prayers of Christ to the Father. And this was the prayer. My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Look at that. Challenging Peter, the lead pin, the one whom the contagious pride flowed from in a sense, but also the one that he was training to be the leader of the rest. Couldn't you keep watch with me? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. I love the heart of Christ here, and this really is an incredible opportunity for us to follow the imitation, to imitate Christ in how he prayed. The second time of prayer and the first time of prayer, both times he's not speaking to God as just a distant judge, someone far off, not just the creator, but my father, my daddy, my father. If it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Jesus was not holding back the sharing of his desires. It is so important that in the place of prayer, even as we're trying to submit to God and not exalt ourselves above God, it is so vital and so healthy to share our desires, even if they're opposed or opposite of God's desire. Jesus was sinless, and yet his desire was that the cup would be taken from him. He did not want to drink in the Father's wrath and justice. He did not want to experience the separation from the Father that this cup embodied. But he said, not my desire, my will, but yours be done. The other thing that's noteworthy about the second prayer, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Jesus recognized that this cup needed to be taken away. What's interesting, though, this cup, which was God's wrath, God's justice, God's destruction of sin and death, this judgment that was coming, Jesus recognized that it was needful. It was a needed thing. Sin and death and humanity couldn't just keep going on. We needed to drink in who God was, namely as the just judge. But he also recognized that he did not want us to have to drink it. What a paradox. And that's what the cross is all about. God's holy wrath and holy justice needing to pour out to destroy sin, but God's mercy and love not wanting us to experience anything of pain and suffering from him, even if it was to keep us from sin or to destroy sin. So what's the solution? Jesus said, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Jesus did not want to drink it, but before his father, he was recognizing and submitting to the fact that the only way that God's justice and wrath could establish righteousness was if it was totally poured out. And yet, because Jesus drunk it, he can also pour out the mercy and the grace of God that as we die to self and receive his death, burial, and resurrection, our old ways, our sin and death is completely destroyed and ever increasingly removed from us, and yet the new life by Christ pours to us and through us. That's what he saw. He didn't want to have to face what he would have to do But he knew his father's will was best, and he submitted. Verse 43, when he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. People of God, don't be discouraged if you have to once, twice, three times, ten times. Pray the same thing again and again. Jesus Christ needed to or at least desired to to really work it out with the Father and to have his heart in right positioning to undergo what he would face. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I want to highlight something so important for us in conclusion. The prayer prompt for today is, Jesus, what did you want your friends to be praying for you during this time? The eight disciples farther away were even them at a distance given a place to engage in prayer. And even more so, the three apostles that were so close positioned and asked of God to pray and to watch, they didn't enter in. This was arguably the most significant conversation between God and a man at any point in human history as Jesus was committing to taking into himself the judgment of God on sin. And they missed it. They missed that prayer moment. A few things that are important for us today. May you recognize that just as Jesus seated those three disciples close enough to hear and perceive some of what was happening— You have been raised up and seated in the person of Christ in the heavenly realms. God put you at a place spiritually where you could not be closer. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. You are seated in him. The Father needs only to lean over and whisper into the heart of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will testify to what Jesus is praying to the Father and what the Father's response is. May you engage with the historical prayers that are shaping and shifting all of human experience. Even today, may you join in with the Son. Thanks for joining with us today. May God continue to reveal to you by His Spirit who indeed is this Jesus.